A Day of Faces by Simon K. Jones Read by Jen Coleman Chapter 16 Cladogenesis, Noun, Biology The formation of a new group of organisms or higher taxon by evolutionary divergence from an ancestral form. You ever see one of those horror movies where everyone in the town just goes batshit crazy and the hero has no idea why? and wonders if she's going mad. That's me right now. We snuck out of the Avery Gardens, without any problems, and hopped on a tram to take us far from the nerve centre of all our problems. Nicking out at the streets drifting by was like none of the past couple of months had ever happened. People everywhere, going about their business, doing their shopping, heading to and from work, crossing the road, sitting on benches, pissing in alleyways. It was all incredibly normal. At first I'd worn my hat pulled down and kept as low a profile as possible, trying to look super normal. Turns out trying to look super normal creates the exact opposite result, as Cal pointed out. Apparently I kept sighing really loudly, without even being aware of myself doing it. I guess that's what my brain thinks being nonchalant is all about, when it actually just sounds kind of weird and suspicious. Who knew? Cal was pretty much in the clear as long as nobody saw him change, which obviously wasn't going to happen. I, on the other hand, was completely identifiable, at least by genotype. They had to be on the lookout for Scormata of my birth date. I started to think I should have stayed in the desert and hid there for the rest of my life, crouched behind that damned rock. Stop looking so shifty, Cal repeated quietly. I can't help it. It feels like everyone is looking at me. Nobody is looking at you. I know that. I can see that. But it still feels like I'm being watched. Follow me, he said, ringing the bell and hopping off when the tram creaked to a halt. We were outside one of the new malls. It was a sprawling complex half underground, with a gaping moor of an entrance. I'd always avoided the soul-sapping horrors that are malls. It occurred to me now that having an opinion on things like the inherent evil of malls was largely a thing of the past for me now. My life didn't allow for that kind of idle thought anymore. I was a fugitive. Fugitives didn't get to have fun. The mall had several pharmacies, and Cal made sure we went to one he hadn't visited previously. We took turns buying medical gear that would help Marv. Painkillers, bandages, a whole load of skin creams, sedatives, more painkillers. Outside the pharmacy beneath the jaundiced lights of the windowless mall, we reconvened and took stock. This stuff will help, I said. We need to get him stable and awake so you can bring him back here to a proper hospital. Even if they arrest him, at least he won't just die. This will help him heal physically, Cal said, shaking his head. I'm more worried about his reaction when he comes to and realises he's only got one arm left. Yeah, I guess I'd freak if it were me. I wish I could share my powers somehow. Why? I met an axolot back when I first started travelling. Oh, wow. Limb regeneration. Yeah, that'd be handy, right? Cal was clearly already thinking about something else, staring as he was right over my head. 
He'd always been easily distracted, either by an idea or something he'd seen, and that side of his personality had only got worse since the aviary. It's like his mind was always in a thousand different places. I turned to see a large television screen hung on the wall, displaying the latest news. A fire at a downtown factory. A delegation from some eastern country was visiting. Police had made some kind of drug bust somewhere. All the usual stuff. I don't want to sound too egotistical, I said, but where are we? It's not been so long that the news would have stopped talking about what happened, surely. Cal stared grimly at the screen, his jaw set and teeth clenched. It's what they do, he said. They cover things up, hide everything, make sure nobody knows anything. They've been doing it to me my whole life. It's why I've never been able to go anywhere for help. No evidence. I don't buy it. What went down at the Avery, that was a big deal. Not just what we did, but what the other guy did. He didn't just attack us. He killed a whole room full of guards. You can't just cover that up. What about all their families? Paid off. Or they just made them disappear too. You've got a really high estimation of the government's competence, I said. They can barely keep the trains running. How exactly do you suppose they keep stuff like this under wraps? He mumbled something about it all being part of their plan, but I'd stopped listening. When Cal got foamy, it wasn't really worth paying attention. Anyway, I was too busy thinking. Not only were we not on the news, but there was no sign of high alert on the street. No wanted posters hung on walls. Wait, do wanted posters even exist? Are they a real thing outside of movies? I didn't actually know. Point is, we'd been near cops, and none of them had even glanced at me. My squamata type was pretty specific, visually, so I would have expected at least some trouble. Stay here, I said, handing over my bag of medication. The corridor opened out into a large open atrium, stretching three floors in both directions. Real sunlight filtered down from the ceiling above, and they'd even gone to some effort of trailing creeping plants around the walkways to make the place feel less like a morgue. There was a cop standing near the railing, looking idly left and right, occasionally glancing down at the floor below. I took my sunglasses off and pushed my hat up so my face was clear. My heart beat hard in my chest. I was momentarily concerned that it would burst out and race off down the hall. Hi, I said perkily. The cop threw a brief glance in my direction and grunted. So, I'm looking for a coffee shop, I continued, trying not to stammer. Where's the nearest one? The cop turned towards me properly, frowning, and stared me up and down. Expletives filled my head. Then he pointed past me and nodded his head. Right there, miss. Can't miss it. He was right. There was a cafe literally right behind me. There was a huge sculpture of a coffee cup outside. It was kind of excruciating. I smiled wanly. Thanks. No problem. Have a good day. He turned back to patrolling them all with his eyes. I made a show of looking into the cafe and browsing their menu before walking away muttering about the prices. Cal was waiting for me around a corner, his fiery hair and eyes looking angrier than usual. What the actual fuck, Kay? 
He leaned in as if to grab me, then thought better of it as a family walked past. Are you insane? Actually insane and didn't mention it? I pushed him back, re-establishing my personal space, and let my fangs show a little. Do I look arrested? What? Do I look arrested? Am I wearing handcuffs? He stared at me, not wanting to answer. He didn't give a shit, Cal. Every cop would have my description. I should be on the floor with a whole squad on me right now. They're getting ready. They'll get us when we leave so nobody sees. You're an idiot. I may or may not be an idiot. That's a whole separate topic. Reality is that we walked out of that mall and hopped back on a tram without a hint of trouble. They're not looking for us. Or for me, at least. As I sat on the hard wooden tram bench, the implications gradually sunk into my brain. If they weren't looking, it meant I could just come back, without being on the run for the rest of my life. It didn't make sense, but I felt a glimmer of hope. Maybe it even meant that Marv could come back and get treatment in a proper hospital, without being locked up. Without even thinking, I'd put us on the number 42 tram, which took us through my neighbourhood. It felt like I hadn't been there for years, even though it had only been, what, a week? Time felt kind of loose since I'd met Cal. I watched the row of terrace houses as we moved past. Red roofs and brick walls, tiny gardens wedged in at the front, each separated by identical white fences. There's my place, I said, pointing. Cal was still ignoring me and had disappeared into an unseemly grump. Oh my God, I said as I saw my mother out the front, wheeling one of the waste bins out for collection. Don't even think about it, Cal said. I need to go see her. I'd not even said goodbye properly before we'd attacked the Avery. None of that made any sense to me now. How had I just gone along with Cal's big idea without even thinking about my mum? Same went for Marv. He basically lived and worked to support his extended family. But he'd just jumped into our ill-conceived revolutionary plan head first. The tram slowed and stopped to let people on. I kept my sunglasses on and looked out the window, one hand on the glass, watching her slide food from a plate into the bin. She looked sad, but like she was doing okay. Better than I'd expect, in fact. Just as the tram rang its bell and began to pull away, the front door of my house swung open. My father stepped out, looking smarter than usual and a whole lot less dead than the last time I'd seen him. I came kind of close to just weeing myself. That's how surprised I was. My father walked up to my mum and put his arms around her. As the tram turned a corner and they disappeared from sight, I saw her reach up and grasp his hands affectionately. Cal, I began, swivelling in my seat. He was already staring at me, having seen everything, mouth agape and eyes roving in confusion. Cal, what's happened? Thanks for listening. Follow us on SoundCloud or subscribe using iTunes or your favourite podcast app to make sure you don't miss the next chapter. You can find me on Twitter at Tarnamus or at simonkjones.com. You can help support the creation of stories like this on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Simon K. Jones.